you've been looking for a podcast to help you transform your physical and mental one that'll shoot you straight between the eyes with truth and no bs helping you have the right mindset to accomplish things the iron will and fortitude to follow through with what you say you're going to do no excuses Mark owns martial arts schools, and after 30 years, he has some real insight for real talk, real life, real conversations, motivational, fitness, self-defense, weight loss, live from the Great 1-8. This is Real Talk with Mark Cox. There it is. Now we're good. All right. Good morning, Jim. How are we doing? I'm doing well, thanks. How are you All doing? Right. I'm doing awesome. Good, good. Looking forward to this. I had a busy morning because my poor dog, man, she gets these big, um, like a like cauliflower ear, like a wrestler does. Okay. Because she shakes her head so much. And once again, she's got this big blood thing. And I had to run her to the doctor oh, and get man. back here in time for podcasting so she's going into surgery to have cauliflower ear done for like the oh, third of, of course my dog would have cauliflower ear uh <laughs> you know but poor little thing she it kind of sucks but yes for sure <clears throat> all right but we're looking forward to this today i'm telling you that we're gonna have some some good talks so i'm gonna introduce you a little bit and then uh you know and your last name is hetherington is that correct is that how you pronounce it Yep, yep, just the way it sounds, Heather Ington. Heather Ington. And I was like, wait a second, you know, you know, going to act second when I was looking at your stuff last night, I've only met you as Jim, right? So that's right, yeah. Uh, and then of course we I think we had breakfast and everything together at that at the at the business book camp, right? You and your yeah. wife, we got to sit together with your wife. It was awesome. We yeah, had a good time out there. Is that where you live? Do you live out there in New no, Jersey I- or where? No, I'm up in Canada. I live about an hour west of Toronto, Ontario. Oh, that's why you're traipsing in the freaking snow. That's why I'm in the snow. That's right. Uh, you know, <laughs> that's why your wife has that little slight Canadian accent. I remember Thanks, hearing it. She, there's a couple words that she said uh, that caught my ear. Isn't that funny? Uh, in uh, in my Heartland that is uh, filmed out in Canada. It's that big horse show. Right. I love that freaking show. Yeah, and it, uh, and Canada looks so nice from there, wherever they're filming it at. So, yeah, I'm not sure. I think that's out in the West Coast, so British Columbia, that area. I think I'm not sure. My, I've been to I've been to Canada once or twice, but it was only kind of driving. This is before you had to have, uh, you know, a passport or whatever. You can right. just pop back and forth if you're yeah, American citizen. Yeah. And I'll never forget that. I'm like, wow, man, their gas is so freaking cheap, because I didn't really realize this by the leader. Not That's the right. gallon, right? And I was like, what the heck did I just fill up? I know. And and so I'll never forget that story. I was like, oh my goodness, man. I, I, I really screwed the screwed myself on this thinking I'm saving all kinds of money and not that's so far from the truth. It wasn't even funny. Yeah. So no, we certainly get the better deal when we cross over and buy your gas. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, let me introduce you, Jim. Okay. Jim's a relationship. Experts committed to empowering individuals and partners to create next level success in marriage and business. 
Jim has been married for 39 years and has been a mentor for 30 years. He is also an entrepreneur and business owner for the past 26 years and was a pastor for 23 years. So it's safe to say he's uniquely qualified to address and speak on any areas of relationships. Invitations have been extended to Jim to speak nationally, internationally. He is a five-time author. Major networks like NBC, ABC, and Fox have featured him. And a fun fact about Jim is that he is first marathon when he turned 60 years young. Huh. How old are you now? I'm 62. Yeah, so I've... So we're, we're close, huh? Yeah. I'll be 62 in March. Oh, is that right? I'm 63 yeah. in June. So, yeah, I saw that you ran a marathon. I tell everybody, I said, that's where I learned how to fight so I don't have to run. <laughs> um, Maybe that's what's wrong. <laughs> I, I, you know, the marathon, um, that's just one of the things I always wanted to do. Uh, you know, my son, I don't know if he, I, I told you the story about my son. He's a runner. Yeah. Uh, he probably runs seven, anywhere from three to seven, eight miles a day. You know what I mean? My middle son. Okay. You know, he was uh, made fun of, uh, you know, heavy set kid, fat kid in high school. And uh, he just, I don't know, out of high school, man, he would smoke anybody now, right? He's, he went and, um, I don't know, a few years ago, right before COVID, he said, hey, dad, I'm going to go do this uh, marathon, this 5K or whatever this thing is. And, it's through Universal Studios here in California. It's the first one he's ever did. And so I said, okay, son. And we're kind of tracking him, right? And I'm like, wait a second. Is that is he already coming around the the freaking bin or what? You yeah. know, and he was in the first 10 ever out of 1,500 people Wow. Uh, in that. And I was like, wow, man. I told him, I said, I can't believe, you know, you've, he, he lost 105 pounds himself and, wow. and um, ran that marathon and, it's, uh, you know, he's, he's just he, running. I don't know about you. Do you like to run or not? Is that something that you do? Well, you know, going through high school, I was a sprinter. I, I never ran anything more than, you know, 400 meter relays. You know, that was the longest I did. But I've always loved the idea of running. And it was the same, uh, the same idea when I turned, when I was 58, 59, I thought, what can I do when I'm 60? And I met a guy, a friend of mine, he's run six marathons. And we started talking. And I said to him, I said, I've always wanted to run a marathon. He says, why don't you? And I said, well, I got a bad knee. I got a bad back. I'm almost 60 years old. You know, and he, he looked at me, he says, Jim, I've seen people cross the finish line in wheelchairs. I've seen them on crutches. I've seen them with one leg. I said, you're trying to tell me I got no excuse. He says, you've got no excuse. So, so that's when I started training to, to run. And, and then I did, I fell in love with it. So now, you know, Sundays I'll go out and I'll run 10, 12 kilometers, just, you know, just to kind of wind up the week, just to, just to keep it up. And then I did my first marathon at 60. And then 61, I did an ultra marathon, which is a minimum of 50 kilometers. So I did that the following year. I don't think I'll go any more than that, but uh, it was fun. That's good. Well, I, I would say that Israel's on, on, by the way, he says hi to us. Hey, Israel. Awesome. Good yeah. to hear. Good he's a cool stuff. cat, isn't he? We had a he lot of is, fun with him. Great guy. Yes. Yeah. No, he's fantastic. So I, uh, so in at, so you're, you know, we're kind of the same age. So when you're, has a uh, physical fitness been part of what your regimen is all the time? It has been. Yeah. There was a, there was a period about 15 years ago where I was really busy in business, busy in ministry, busy in life. And I was putting all my exercising and conditioning and stuff off to the side. I had always been into weight training and, you know, always kept my cardio up the whole nine yards. And then I got away from it. And 15 years ago, I almost died. 
because I was put, I put all of that stuff aside and I was just focused on business and, you know, just trying to survive. And then it took me two years to get my life back in order. And now it's the first two hours of every day of my life. I, I spend, you know, stretching, working out. And, and that's, that's where I start my day. So when you say that you almost something happened, what was your, what was your experience? So mine my, was blood clots. Oh, is that right? Mm -hmm. No, mine was complete disconnection. I was ready to go to yet another meeting and I loaded up my car. I was ready to drive out of the driveway. I had the car started. I was all strapped in and I went to pull the guard and gear. My body just said, we're not doing that. And I sat in my car for 20 minutes. I could not pull it in gear. I could not do a thing. And then finally, after 20 minutes, I shut the car off and went inside, told him I wasn't going to be there at the meeting. And from there, I had to step out of leadership. I almost lost my business. And for the next six months, it was I was just an emotional, physical, mental wreck. I just completely burnt out and fried. And that was the end of it. And so that was a it was a new journey for me to start looking after myself in a whole new way. Isn't that uh, it, don't we, don't you wish that we had these uh, epiphanies when we were young? Oh man, or at least some alarms or some, but there was no warning. You know, I was, I was working 70, 80 hours in my business. I ran a renovation construction company. I was in ministry serving 20, 24 hours a week in my spare time. And, mm -hmm. you know, I was just going and going, going. And then all of a sudden there was just this click. And so that's why I tell people, look, you know, we're, we're one step, we're one meeting, we're one instant away from brokenness, from broken relationships, whatever, you know, it's like the old expression goes, you know, relationships don't break overnight. They, they take, you know, it's over time that they, they break. And same with our physical bodies, you know, it's not necessarily overnight that they break. It's just what we do with them. You know, it's like, I tell people all the time, you know, you eat and drink, you're not eating and drinking for today. You're eating and drinking for 20 and 30 years from today. And so it's the long-term that we have to, to, to look at and it creeps up on us. Yeah, it's so mine, you know, mine was a, um, I, you know, I had traveled and I was doing some stuff that I shouldn't have been, you know, I was shooting some testosterone and, mm. and, uh, you know, I was going and, and teaching the military and all that kind of stuff. Jason's on online saying hi. I, do you know Jason Flame or not? I don't recognize the name. No, I don't think I do. But he, he's like a, he's a black belt of mine. He's got a great podcast, by the way. Amazing. Jay, if you're still on there, you should reach out to reach out to Jim. He'd be a good. Uh, you'd be really good on his his platform too. He's a good. Oh, absolutely, I love it. Um, I've known him since he's a kid. He's been one of my students forever. Wow, he's he's, a, he's a good he's a good man. Good stuff. Um, so anyway, so when I went this last time I had went, you know, I was, you know, I was taught the first half and I took, they allowed the military allowed me to take this course, which civilians can't take. Right. And I said, okay, I'll take the course and I'll teach the gun part on, on the second, on, uh, on the second half of the day. But every day I was so tired, man. And that I was just miserable that trip. And, um, when I went home, I told my son, I said, Hey, I feel like if someone, I cracked my rib in the house or something we were doing, you know, gun simulations and, and fighting in the house. I said, I think I cracked a rib, went to the doctor and they, i had shortness of breath and they said, well, Hey, um, let's take a look at, uh, you know, your heart it wasn't that they took me to pet scan and said I had two blood clots in my lungs. Wow. And, uh, it, it didn't help that I flew shot testosterone. I didn't know any of this stuff that testosterone thickens your blood. And, and it was, it started, you know, my blood clot started in my legs from an injury and, you know, I was, I, 
and I don't know why God kept me around. You know, that was a, that could have been a, a death sentence for me, but sure. I was the same as you, Jim. I don't know. For six months, I was miserable. Um, it, it's good that you talk about that, right? Cause six months I was pretty wrecked and, um, you can see some other pictures of me back in the time. I was so overweight and unhealthy looking at that time, but every time something happened, I don't know if you were like this, every time something kind of like felt weird or off, I'm like, oh man, I'm going to stroke, man. God's going to stroke me out here or something. I just, I remember telling God all the time, hey, listen, just take me home. Don't stroke me out and put me on life support or some garbage like that. Just take it, just take me home. And, um, and it took me a good six months too, just like that, for me to finally say, okay, this is going to, I'm going to change this. And I got to stop living like this. And if I do, you know, I had, I had to move forward. And so I don't know if you hear a lot of those stories as a, as a, as a, as a coach counselor or what, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, These are a lot of things that change. Yeah. It's it's the whole idea of, you know, we just think we're indestructible, don't we? You know, we just have that mentality, right? We get it from when we're teens, we carry it into our twenties and thirties and we continue to grow. Uh, but yeah, it's just that that indestructible mentality. And for me, it was, you know, just exactly that. You know, I thought I could work all the hours. And I'll tell you, it was nothing for me to work around the clock. Like I would work 24 hours and then maybe sleep for a few hours and then go again. So it was nothing to do that. And so, you know, I tell, I tell people all the time, you know, just because you can eat two or three quarter pounders doesn't mean you should. Right. <laughs> right? Just because I can stay up for two days straight and work doesn't mean I should. Because eventually it's going to catch up, but it's just that indestructible mentality, I think, that that does need to shift. And we can ignore so many things. We, we ignore different parts of our, you know, different elements in our life, right? Because if we're just working, 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 which I was, I was ignoring the physical. I was ignoring the, the, the spiritual. I was ignoring my relationships with my family and friends. I was ignoring so much because all my energy was focused over here. And that's what happens to us, I think, is we just get so zoomed in and focused on one thing. And then do you, do you find that most men are that way? I, I've always felt that men get their self-esteem by what they do and our wives get self-esteem from us and how we make them feel. I don't know if you've seen that over your, over your counseling days, because, uh, you know, I'm the same way, man. My business, when I first started, I'd work, I'd, I'd work all night. I'd go home, put the kids to bed and come back and, uh, either do t-shirts or whatever else I had to do for the business for the, for the next day to make my school yeah. grow. So I don't know. Do you see that uh, as a pattern or what? Yeah, it, it definitely is. I mean, us as guys, we're, we're just physical people. Like we're just physical. We're visual. We're physical. We like to do. We like to complete. We like to achieve. We like to conquer. We like all those things where women are more emotional. They, they get, you know, they get satisfied in different ways, you know, um, uh, for the most part. I don't want to generalize anything because there's right. Yeah. Be, yeah. Be careful. Because the, we're gonna, I got to be careful what I say. Right. But, we're going to get left hooked in, 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 in like in a heartbeat. But that's, that's, it, it is what it is. There's no there's no getting around that. I've seen it all the all the time. And and uh, you're right. Every one of those things is, um, you know, that's me for sure. I don't I don't want to talk for every guy, but uh, I'm telling you for most for most males, it's uh, completing tasks and being physical is something that yeah. is in our DNA. It, yeah. it just it just is it and is what it is and let's 
let's let's look at the way that guys are raised. You know, as as guys, as men, we're we're not encouraged to share our emotions. We're not encouraged to cry at movies or to cry in situations, right? We're we're taught to push all that stuff down, you know, stand up, be a man, be tough, be all these things, right? So we're taught to push all these things down. Then we get into relationships with with women who are emotional and they're more connected and they're they're much more resourceful that way. Then all of a sudden we're we're supposed to be sharing our feelings and, and, and like what is that? You know, and, and that's where the tension starts to come. That's... All of a sudden we're supposed to open this stuff up. We have no clue. We have no clue what we're supposed to do. That's so true. <laughs> yeah, I, I I find that to be uh that is so true. Right. And you know, that happened. That was a big thing for me. Um, um, yeah. Jay's on here saying the same thing. He knows, man, he's a freaking, he's a workhorse too. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> I, was the, I was saying that when I raised my, I, I have, um, I raised, I have three boys and I had an adopted son named Bo when I got him when he was 12, you know, he's a, he's wow. a, he's a grown man with his own school and family now in Idaho. But, uh, you know, raising my boys, you know, I raised them like men. And now when I, I got divorced, so I raised my children. I wasn't the weekend dad. I was the one that raised them. And then my girl came along and I'm like, oh, my goodness. Um, <laughs> what do I it do? just was a different animal <laughs> altogether. You know, I'm like, oh, my gosh, we have to talk about all this. Or if I raise my voice wrong, you know, my boys, I'm like, man, go ahead and snap to it and see what happens. You know what I mean? I said, I'll knock the snot right out of you. And uh, uh, just not not the same thing for my daughter. We got to talk. We got to we got to console. I have to figure out the language because she talks in code and I'm supposed to try and figure out what she wants. And I still do it today. Uh, I was shopping and she's like, "Uh, what are you getting at the store? And I'm like, "Okay, is that is that a code for you need me to get you something? Just text me. Hey, dad, can you pick this up? Yeah. Oh no, never mind. And I'm like, oh gosh, here we go. Yeah. And uh, so I don't know. <laughs> I guess I guess that's the that's the two things. Well, that's what you do for a living, right? You gotta you gotta combat the uh, the the sexes in the in the relationships, right? Yeah. And it, and it's harder and harder, you know. I, I, you know, just just on that note with you know speaking code and stuff. I mean, I've been married for now forty years. Now we just celebrated forty years, and you know, my wife still speaks in code. That I think it's code. She thinks she's speaking plain English, but it's it's still code. It's like I have to do the same thing. I got to turn to her, honey. Are you asking me to do something? Like you know, it, it, it's just the way they are. They're just completely different in nature, and I think that's one of the challenges for for us guys. And I know it's a challenge for women, you know, because they're, they they got to learn male talk, right? They got to right. learn that's learn correct. that. Uh, you know, so it is it is about and one of the things that I think is really key for any relationship is learning the language. It doesn't matter if it's in a romantic relationship or a business relationship, even in a friendship. Right. We, we need to learn what the other person needs to hear, how we can convey it or communicate it in a way that they get it and they understand. And so sometimes it's not just the way we want to communicate it because we think it's the best way or the right way or the only way. Sometimes we just have to kind of, you know, sneak alongside and say, okay, this would be a better way that they can understand that they get. But it's a tough thing. And and, and when we get busy and as guys, we're, we're, we're drivers, most of us, you know, we're just driving forward, getting things done. We're completing tasks. We're on target. And sometimes we can forget that, oh, I need to step back a little bit, you know, figure out the best way to communicate this. Because sometimes, not sometimes, most times, um, our partners 
may not you know receive things the same way as we feel they need to receive it right you and i mm -hmm. you know we speak a certain language we we expect people to be direct we expect people to be straightforward with us but sometimes other people just don't get that language or don't want to receive that language the same way and so it's really important that we we step back and look at that and that 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 holds across the board i think well so so you said something really interesting there so let's take somebody like me cuz i'm a pretty direct I mean, if you've been around me for a minute, you're going to know that I say what I mean. I mean what I say and say what I mean. I'm not I don't I don't sugarcoat much. Sure. Yeah. And, you know, I can beat up on myself just as much as beat up on somebody else. You know, I, I don't I don't really have an issue with that. But um, when you <clears throat> what do you think about when you when you're like that? Let, let's say not just in a, in a romantic relationship. Let's just say even in the workplace. Uh how do you deal with uh <laughs> yeah jay knows uh how do you deal with that i mean can it can it come across as overpowering because i find myself even this is me me right even with my staff i mean i'm pretty direct and i'm like i told you to do a b and c you didn't do a b and c why not no you know what i mean right and uh how do you help how do you help curve that what's some what's some lessons on on I, I don't know. I just, you know what? In my head, I just not like that. And I said, okay, I'm just going to be direct with you. This is exactly how I feel. This bang, bang, bang. Sure. And sometimes I'm going to tell you, man, that's like, uh, you know, when you're fighting and you hit that bag that comes back like this and right. you don't duck your head, and you get pounded in the face. That happens to me quite often. Yeah. You know, that backfires. Right. Sure. So tell me some, tell me something about that. What do you think about that? Yeah. I'll give you an example. My my wife in in the the company that she worked for, she's kind of the supervisor in her her area, and you know they have certain terms that they use of products and services and different things. And she was getting upset with one of the people in her department because they weren't following. They didn't, you know. She she asked her to grab something or do something particular, and this this girl brought six or seven different things back, thinking, okay, is this it? And I said to my wife, I said, you're, you're assuming they understand your language. You're assuming that she understands what you're talking about. Maybe she has no idea what that is. And so sometimes as leaders, we can express things. We can give directions. But that's only assuming that they understand the language that we're using to act, you know, for that particular task. We're, we're assuming that they understand what needs to be done. When my daughter was young, she was about five years old. Her room was a mess. I sent her into a room. I said, clean your room. An hour later, I went back in to check on my daughter. Guess what? She's sitting in the middle of the room and her room looked exactly the same. And suddenly I clicked. I went, cleaning the room means absolutely nothing to a five-year-old. I needed to instruct her. I needed to show her the systems and where should things should go and why it should be like that. And it's the same in leadership. You know, we, we assume that people know what it means when we say clean up that department, clean up that table, get this task. We're assuming that they know what that means. Sometimes we haven't taken time to explain what the system is, explain what the procedure is so that they can follow that through. And I think if we could communicate those systems and have those procedures understood, then when we give them a, a, a direction to say, do this, do this, do this, then they know exactly what to follow. Or at least there's some protocol for them to to discern. Does that make sense? Because it I, makes sense. Well, I, I hear what you're saying is, um, I, I'm a perfect example of 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 this kind of thought process. What you're talking about, where why do I have to explain to you if you see a piece of trash on the ground, pick it up, 
I can't, you, you know, like in my head, I can't fathom it. Right. I can't, yeah. I, I can't understand if you're, if, if you're working, if you're in the studio, your number one objective is to make sure that, okay, if the, if the toilet paper ain't done, do it. There should, should be in my head, in my thinking, there should be no reason. Uh, one of my parents are coming and saying, Hey, there's no paper towels. I can't, I can't comprehend that. Right. Right. And I'm like, is this not the first thing that you guys check? I've told you to check. First thing you got to do is check this. And, uh, and then <clears throat> I'm a doer. I'm not a task looker. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't like list. I just do. Right. But I've come to find out that a lot of people need a list and say, okay, Hey, I need to get this done, this done, this done. Yeah. Uh, this is what keeps Mr. Cox happy. This is what pisses yeah. him off. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I, and I'm weak at that. Just so you know, I'm weak at even making a list. It pisses me off when I have to make a list. Isn't that sure. weird? Yeah. Right. Because I just, you know, I just assume, yeah, see flame is 100% opposite of me. <laughs> He's one of these anal dudes that have list for lists. You know what I mean? Uh, I'm not that way. Yeah. Um, I assume well, that this is your job and I assume that you're going to get it done. And I'm not a micromanager either. If I say this is what I want done, uh, I don't want to hear about how you got it done. I just want to hear that you got it done. Right. And so I don't know. I, I often wonder if my if if I lack uh, leadership on that um, or what I, I find that a weakness in me. Just mm -hmm. so you know, I you know, and I don't know if that's a, if that's typical for highly driven people. Uh, you know, organization. I don't know what you, so what's your thought on that? So you have people yeah. that have organizational skills and you got visionaries. I mean, is there, and, and how do you kind of put that glue together? How's that work? Sure. Well, I think for, for people that are visionaries that are just drivers that just say, okay, this is, this is what we should do, right? You need to have people or, you know, they need to have people in their lives that are, do like making lists and do like coming up with the procedures because let's face it, you know, those, those procedures are, are important. I mean, you and I would just like, to, okay, let's fly in a plane, right? Let's go to some place. And it's easy for us to just say, I'm, I'm going to hop on a plane to go. But we know that the pilot has a checklist. We know the co-pilot has a checklist. Somebody had to make those checklists for us to just say, let's go. And so as leaders, we need to gather people around us. And, and what we want to do is gather our weakness. We want to gather people that that can pick up, pull up the slack of our weakness. If you don't like making lists, then have someone in your circle that likes making lists. If you don't like, you know, making procedures, just say, this is what I expect, A, B, and C. And then have someone that can come up and say, okay, I'll make A, B, and C into a list, into, a, you know, something that's tangible so people get it. The biggest thing I think that people, why people don't pick up trash or, or change paper towel rolls is is awareness right they're, they're not aware of things that aren't unimportant to them and so it's just as leaders we need to make them you know keenfully aware of their surroundings you know just kind of have them stretch their 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 vision back a little bit so that they begin to see that that is an important part and why it's important the closer we can get things to connect to a person the more aware that they'll be about it right like if we heard on the news that there was a, a plane crash overseas someplace, we would be upset. But if there was a report on the news that there was a plane crash in our backyard, we'd be devastated, right? Because the proximity is closer to us. And it's the same with awareness. It's the same as getting people to pick up trash and to pick up things. It's, it's not painfully aware. They're not aware of it. And it's not painful to them. 
It's just drawing it in closer. But as leaders, it's having the people that can that can pull up the, the, the you know, rise up in those areas that we don't like to do. I'm the same way. There's there's things that I don't like to do, but I know I have to do. I don't like looking after paperwork. So I got an accountant. Right. That, you know, I just because they they love making lists and making sure everything fits. And it's, so I think as leaders, that's one of the key things that we need to do. I, I yes, I think that's really good. That's really good advice. At least it is for me. I can tell you that because I know I happen to know where my weaknesses are. I mm. try and work on them quite often. And uh, but then again, I fail on a pretty on a regular hey, basis. We all do, don't it, we? It right? is what it is, man. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, every day I'm like, you freaking idiot. You know, I talk to myself all the time. I'm like, I just did it, man. I just did it at a function I just had, man. I just, you know, I couldn't take the. Uh, I was at a. I, I had my own event, like what we were at. Okay. We're probably about about the same amount of people, right? And I just. I don't know. You know, when I was there, Jim, I, I don't know when all the speakers were speaking. I don't know if you saw this, but I was there on a Saturday and I waited. I watched every speaker. And, you know, the ones in the beginning, you know, everything's there. Everybody's got excited. And then lunch comes. And then you about half of them never show back up after lunch. Right. And then the speakers are done and they leave. Right. And by the time the last speaker was on, there was four of us in the room. Yeah. And I went and took my pan of paper and I sat in the front row and I said, I'm going to listen to what this man has to say or this this woman has to say and uh, and be intent on on that. And people lose so much interest when it's not interested to them. That's right. And uh, that's another one of those things. I'm like, why do I have to tell you to have some courtesy and have some direction and 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 let's let's. Let's bring these, let's elevate these guys because that's what I want them to do when I'm up on, on, on the stage. I, sure. You know, yeah. um, it's the same as an instructor and I love teaching huge classes, but I'll be just as excited to teach you and I one-on-one I'll mm. be fired up. Trust me. I, you know, when I'm doing one-on-one lessons yeah. and, uh, so I don't know, I don't know if that's just a human nature thing or if this is just me, and, and, but you know, I don't know, Jim, as I get older, uh, you know, I have a lot less tolerate, tolerate, tolerating some bullshit. I, sure. I I just do. I just don't. I'm like, don't even talk to me, man. Just shut up, man. Just have some ownership, <laughs> right? Just have some ownership. Say what you did is is sucks, and we I can move on from that. When you make excuses, I just man, I just kind of shut down. Yeah, and I don't know. I I find. <laughs> I often wonder why everybody thinks there's grumpy old man. It's not they're grumpy. They're just done. You know what I mean? It's just like, I'm done with your, you know, your BS. Shut up. Sure. And uh, I don't know how you, how you do that. How, how, do, how do you talk to a group in a leadership? Cause you have a great demeanor, just so you know, you've got this, um, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> this is Tim, man, this guy. Since you got older, since I've known you, <laughs> that well, true. Um, I think that I don't know how you talk to a group when uh, and then to help them address these things. You know what I mean? Mm. I really feel like you have a great demeanor. You have this um, this kind of a an easygoing tone. Mine is not that way. Once I'm heated, when I'm heated. Sure. Uh, there is no turning the fire down unless I can crash some bricks. Uh, is that I why you started to break in bricks? Oh, man. 
and, and uh, if I can push some iron or I can get on the mat and get physical, I I cannot release that steam. You know what I mean? And so, yeah, I don't, I don't know what your thought is on that. Yeah, I mean we're, we're all gifted, you know, to do different things. We're all wired differently. We're all gifted differently, and I think that's why it's important, you know, relationships because we need each other, right? There's there's an area that we can, you know, come alongside and support and encourage in, in one another across the board. And I think one of the biggest frustrations is common sense used to be common sense. Common mm-hmm. sense ain't common sense anymore, right? There, there just seem to be the, I don't know if those classes just aren't taught in school anymore. I don't know if there's no, you know, they don't teach those degrees in college or university, but there's, there's just no common sense in things. And I think that's what gets frustrating for us as we get older is that the common sense isn't, isn't you know, really instilled in the the generation, you know, that's below us or a couple of generations. And I think part of it is as we get older, we still, we need to take the responsibility and say, okay, some of the common sense that I knew growing up was instilled in me by someone that was older. And I think part of us need to, we need to remember that and be willing to instill that into others. Common sense just isn't something that's inherited. It's something that we learn and because now all of a sudden we've got a generation for a couple generations now that have learned completely different. They don't learn the way you and I learned going out and getting physical and 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 trial and error and tripping and getting ourselves back, back up again. A lot of them are just not learning. They're, they're, they're indoors or on computers. There's their complete different isolation from growing and developing and, and, and maturing in certain things. And they rely now more than ever on quality leaders to instill common sense. Because again, it goes back to that thing of awareness. They're just not aware. A lot of people coming up today are just not aware of anything more than the the close circle that they live in. That's, um, that's, that's such good advice right there. Because I see this on a daily here, you know, you know, I'm always selfish about this because I I flash back to what I, what I'm, what I deal with. But I would say even one of my guys, right? He, you know, when his, when he has a pile of clothes or whatever, it doesn't bother him. It doesn't, he doesn't see it as a mess. And I'm like, I'm going to throw this stuff in the alley if you don't clean it up. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, I guess that's, that's just people's perceptions, I guess are different. And I, I have a hard time dealing with it, Jim. I don't, I don't know. Uh, Cause to me, common sense is, uh, if I'm walking down this thing and, and you got all this, all this stuff thrown here, this is going to piss me off. So I would advise you not to do it. Uh, but what do you think about that? Yeah. Well, I think again, it's, I use this illustration. If we want to take on a sport, let's say hockey, something maybe you've never done before. We want to take up hockey. We wouldn't just jump in and just start playing the game. We would learn a little bit about the game. And if we knew what the rules were, then we could play along in the game and we could navigate it pretty well. But if they kept changing the rules and adding rules and not telling us the rules, it get, it would get pretty frustrating. And I think the same goes in, in families, in businesses, in, in relationships, is we don't know the rules. We don't know how to play. And it's, it's defining those. And again, it goes to leadership. So leadership in the home is, is the parents. The parental role is to you know, lay out the rules and, and to create that structure. So it's a safe environment for everybody. And then there needs to be consequences and rewards for following those, those rules. 
And so part of it is we don't introduce the rules. We, you know, we, we, we don't explain them. Take a, a, a parent with a teenage daughter or son, you know, all of a sudden they hit adolescence, you know, the hormones go crazy. We, we, we've all been through that. It, everything goes ballistic. But if we don't take time beforehand and explain the rules and help them to navigate that, then they have no understanding, no, no way of knowing how to get through it. And so then they, they just kind of resort to what they think is best or, you know, um, then they can become defiant. Well, that rule was never introduced or that you never told me this before. It's really laying it out and just saying, okay, this, this is what you can expect. This is what I expect. And this is why we should do it this way. And part of it is, I think, too, is learning them, or teaching them the, the importance of completing tasks. Right. Just completing things because then you can move on. You know, when you've got a clean environment, a clean room, then it sets you up for success because now you're prepared to move on and do something else. You're, you're, when you're going out to do something, going to an interview, you're not wrestling around on your floor trying to find your, you know, a clean shirt or clean underwear. You know where everything is. And so it's teaching them the importance of having those boundaries, setting those systems up so that they're setting themselves up for success. That's the whole reason why we tell them to clean a room, right? That's why I'd sent my daughter, you know, in her bedroom when she was five years old and said, clean your room. What I was trying to say, look, if you keep an orderly room, it's safe. It's a good environment. You know where everything is. And it's just, uh, you know, it, it's teaching yourself some self-respect and some self-esteem. But I didn't convey that. I just said, go and clean it. And we do that as, <laughs> as people get older. We say, you know, just do your laundry. Why? You know, what, why, should, why is that so important? <laughs> I laugh because it's totally me. <laughs> I, I, I'd be like, what part of clean your room did you not understand? That would be me. That would be like to my boys. I'm like, what part of me telling you to do this? Did you not get? Yeah. You know what I mean? And of course, then it, then they, then it starts to, that kind of response gets a next response until all of a sudden this little thing is, is now gone from cleaning your room to, talk to me in a disrespectful tone and me wanting to knock his teeth out of his mouth. Sure. Uh, you know, you know, as my oldest son, right. Not my oldest son, my one, my middle son. Right. So, yeah, you know, I feel that all the time, you know, and I'm just yeah. like, oh, man, it, and it, uh, it comes back to the importance of why, right. Take it, take um, when we learn how to drive, for example, right. We were told to look over our shoulders when we change lanes, right. Why? Well, because there might be a car in your blind spot. Why? You know, we need to explain that. And, and, and now it's natural for us, right, to, to do that. We can look over our shoulders without swerving into all the lanes. Right. right? But we need, <laughs> yeah. to, we need to have that explained to us as to why we need to do that. And so sometimes as we get older, everything that comes so automatically and instantly for us, we don't even think about the whys. We just say do rather than just saying, OK, there's a younger mind coming up, a younger person in my company, a younger person in my in my family that doesn't understand the whys. And it's explaining the whys and then following through with some systems so that they can follow. I think that was a really good one. Explaining the why. Hmm. Is a yeah, I, I think I'm going to get the recording of this myself and keep it. This is good. Explaining the why. That's good. Because, you know, Jose put out there too the importance of completing task. I think man, that just goes hand in hand. Right. But explain why it's important. I don't do that at all. Just so you know. Yeah. I don't even do that with my employees. I don't sit there, you know, I'm just, you know, I'll find myself upset in a staff meeting and instead of saying, Hey, this is why it's, this is important because if you don't do this, this is what's going to happen from my experience. 
Yeah. Uh, I very rarely do that. I can't say I don't do it all the time, but I very rarely do that. Yeah. 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 See, this yeah. is good. I yeah. figure I have, I find out how much I suck when I do this today. Hey, we all uh, do. I mean, no, I'm, no, I'm still no, learning so. and growing and, and refining things, but you know, it's, it's learning how to become, um, you know, good, good, good leaders rather than just a good manager, right? We don't want to just manage things, but if we set up systems, if we set up people for success, then we become good leaders. That's the definition of a leader. I think it's just setting people up for success. And then we have to step back at leaders and say, okay, what's the best way that I can set them up for success? What's going to assure them or give them the best opportunity to be set up for success? And then like we talked about earlier, you don't like making lists. I don't really care for it either. So let's, let's find somebody that likes making lists. Let's make, let's hire somebody that's really good at doing that so that we can get those systems in place because our entire businesses, our entire lives are built on systems. And once we got those systems, then we can begin to manage those or, or have someone manage them for us. Right. And then we don't have to be a taskmaster all the time because things are, things are there. Things are clear. So what do you do, Jim, when you're looking at trying to figure out what is somebody's strength? What do you, what, what, where are you at? Is this uh, from your, just your experience? You, you feel like this is where somebody's strengths are. This is where, you know, you're compatible with this, or this is what you need to work on. How do you go about finding people's strengths? Hmm. That's a good question. I've never really thought about that. I, you know, one of the best ways to, to find a person's strength is to watch how they, they, how they serve and interact with other people. Right. You, you, you begin to find the strengths, you know, because I think there's 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 mental strengths. Right. What's our ability to accomplish things? There's there's, um, you know, community strengths. How, how well can I serve? How well can I look after others? There, there's lots of different areas that we can measure strength with. So I think it's sitting back and, and, and looking at people and just watching how they interact, how they treat others, how they you know respond in certain things. And when, when I was as a, you know, as a youth pastor, I would tell kids just to get out and, and just serve, find a place to serve and just and just serve. And then through that, they would find the things that they were good at. They would find the things that they liked, the, the things that they enjoyed, that they didn't enjoy. And then you would start a list, you know, and start working on that list from the top and the bottom. You know, I've got the things that I really like to do. I got the things that I hate to do. And then we begin to whittle it down and then we find the thing that we're passionate about. We find the things that we're really good at. Mm. Do you find, have you used any kind of uh, litmus tests or any kind of tests like that out there that, that uh, points people in their strengths and weaknesses? No, I've, I haven't done, I did one um, and I can't even recall what the name of it was. It was a friend of mine that I knew and he created one. He called it dancing with porcupines. And he had four four different categories, and and in that you could find your your personality, you could find your strengths and weaknesses, and and I seem to recall it was dogs. It was like you know a Doberman pincer or a, a Labrador retriever, or an Irish setter, and I forget what the other one was, but there was four dogs, and we can see our personality traits in in them. You know, with with Dobermans, of course, they're very direct, they're very strong, they're very assertive. Uh, uh, Labradors are very faithful, very responsible and and, you know, uh, love people. Uh, Irish setters are just kind of a little bit ditzy. They're a little bit bouncy. They're a little bit all over the place, you know, so we can see just, you know, characteristics in people. But oftentimes you can pick that out just the way they interact with one another. That's interesting. I, I, uh, I know that myself. 
I know what my strengths are and my weaknesses are. Do you find that people know what they are and don't want to admit what they are? Or are they trying to mask them or they don't have ownership in what their weaknesses are? Yeah. Do you find that most people know what their strengths are? Or do you find that they don't know what their strengths are? They don't really know what to do. I think what do you run across. Yeah, I think I think both can be inhibited by 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 self-esteem. Right. Some people could be really strong, you know, speakers, communicators, leaders, but they don't have the self-confidence. They don't have the self-esteem to go with it. Others can be really, um, you know, poor at something. And, you know, the same thing They rather than rather than trying to improve, they say, oh, I'm just not good enough. I'll never be I'll be, never be able to do this. And right. So we can make excuses rather than trying to find reasons or ways that we can continue to to grow. So I think one of the key things is just our is our is our self-confidence, just that 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 you know, the confidence we have in ourselves can affect on, on, on both ways. And I think if, you know, when we have, we got strengths, we need to work on those strengths. But at the same time, I think we need to work on our, our weaknesses as well. Or again, like I said, you know, have people, if you're in a position where you can hire somebody to, to take those, I mean, so if you're in a company and you know, you're weak in a couple of areas, then you need to get someone on staff that can, you know, that can fill that and take care of that. But a lot of it comes down to self-confidence. I think, right. And I, I know that weaknesses in me. So I do have strategic people around me that, um, uh, you know, that fulfill certain things for me. Right. So I know this as hardcore as I am, I'm super soft in the heart, man. So somebody comes and gives me a hard luck story, even though I know it's probably not the, what it should be all, all alter you know, okay, don't worry about paying then don't worry about it. Or I allow myself to get used all the time. I mean, I never, I never charge for private lessons and stuff like that. I don't know why I don't do it. It's just, I just, okay, you want, you want me to, to teach and I'll teach it. And then, you know, and that's what happens. It is what it is. But so I put somebody else in charge when it comes to this money thing that is a little more uh, cutthroat and they're not uh, emotionally invested like I am in students. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that works out well. And this is great, too, because I want to make sure my oldest son comes back and listens to this because he's the one that's kind of navigating to kind of try and fill my shoes and what it is that I do. And he's a complete opposite of me. He's not a um, this uh, super, you know, over the top uh, type A. Uh, he's type A, but he's not like me. Right. He's just not as intense. He's laid back, man. He's kind of, you know, he's the Hawaii version of me, right? Okay. Hey, it's all good. It's all good, Dad. Don't worry about it. Yeah. I got it. Son, what are you doing today? Oh, I'm chilling, Dad. That's it. Just chilling. Yeah. And he had some hard conversations with me, Jim. Believe it or not, when my son, a few years ago, this was really hard, man. You talk about uh, some hard hitting, and I'm like, bro, where where you been? You got to get down here. And he goes, hey, listen, Dad. I've watched you uh, my whole life work. You've never had a vacation. We didn't do family vacations, which I knew because we had a divorce. So we didn't have that. Mm. And I saw how you didn't want to be at home. Uh, I'm going to make sure I have time for vacations for myself and my wife. And I'm going to make sure I spend that some time with my wife. I mean, it was like a one, two punch, mm. right? And in me, uh, to be honest with you, the business probably became the wife. You know what I mean? Because uh, once I got divorced, I'm like, uh, you know what? I'm all in then. Let's get sure. down. Let's get down to business, you know, and rocking and rolling. And so that was that was quite a quite a conversation 
my 20 yeah. something year old saying, you know, it was like a, a real reflection of, wow, that's what he watched. Right. It's like the cats in the cradle song, you know? Yes, exactly. Um, yeah. Right. And that, and that's so, it's so common, uh, Mark, that we can, we can get, we can marry our, our jobs. Right. I was married to, to my business. I was married to, to ministry and, and we can lose ourselves because we, we love the fulfillment that it brings to us. We love the validation that it brings to us as men. But the problem is when someone is coming alongside that we're trying to glean into leadership, we expect them to have that same marriage. We expect them to have that same you know, consideration for the relationship. And that's when we need to really step back and, and you, know, analyze, you know, analyze it and just say, you know, what are good, strong boundaries? You know, because I think one of the best things we can teach leaders as they're growing up and, and our sons as they're growing up is 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 boundaries because mm -hmm. you're you're absolutely right you know when when i was i was driven by work and i was driven by being successful i was driven by you know all the homes and all the projects and all the things that we were building and doing and that can consume us i always explain it to men it's kind of like driving your car right you got four tires on your car you got four wheels on your car and if you spend you know, all of your energy in work, it's like all of a sudden that front tire is just inflated to us like the size of a tractor tire. Can you imagine what the drive would be like if all of a sudden, you know, you've got instead of four balanced tires, you've got one huge one. Right. It's going to pull us. It's going to make the, 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 the journey really rough. It's going to you know, always lead to that that side. It's going to pull us into that. We need to have balance. It doesn't mean that we're going to divide our time equally among every area in our life, but we need to have some good boundaries around that. And, and we can't expect other people coming up to have the same ownership. I tell guys in leadership all the time that have small companies growing up. I always say to them, don't expect to hire an employee that cares for your company exactly like you do. You'll never find one. Because mm -hmm. we have a vested interest and we have ownership in it. There, there's a different you know, set of uh, standards and ownership that we have in, in, in that business. And so at best I can hire an employee at best. I would say I would get 65, maybe 75% of that same care, that same um, uh, work accomplishments and so on. I would get maybe 65, 75%, regardless of how well I paid them, I wouldn't get a hundred percent out of them. And so as leaders, we know that we're going to care for this because it's our baby right it's it's like you say it's our it's our it's our marriage but we need to find that that balance in there and the best thing we can do teaching that generation coming up behind us is to put boundaries around us because you know both of us would probably agree that that putting you know 80 90 hours a week into a business putting you know whatever number of hours into something else and not building relationships not investing in family probably isn't the best use of our time. It probably wasn't the best way to approach things, but it's easy for us to get consumed in doing that. That's yeah, that, that is super impactful, super true. You know, such a reflection on myself and being where I'm at in age now too. I look back on, well, first of all, I can't believe how quickly it came up on us. Mm, yeah, right? for sure. <laughs> and because I'm just in the driver's seat, I'm just going. Yeah. And I'm going and I'm still doing that today because for somebody like us in, 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 well, for me anyway, I shouldn't say us, but me, this, 
I own the property that I have my school in. And that was a gift from God, to be honest with you. Wow. Uh, how I got that. You know, that's a story for you and I another time on, on how I how I achieved to own the building that I'm in. And it's a, just a it, it's just a gift from God. And I know it is because I let churches start here and everything else. Believe it or not, wow. my church started in my karate studio. Wow. That's and then it's you know, it's got this huge center now that I'm the I'm the head of security for it. And it's got this beautiful facility that wow. is taking care of homeless people by the by the thousands. Right. Wow. And I love it. And so and that all started in church. And and so, you know. I know I was blessed on how to get this, but on the same token, I don't really, I didn't have a coach Jim on, on how to um, manage money and, and put money to work for you. Right. Mm -hmm. I was just, uh, I was frivolous. Then, then a divorce hits. Right. And then you're, you have four kids you got to take care of on your own anyway. And, and then all that, that goes with it. And I didn't have a, uh, a coach. I didn't have a financial coach. And I, I just, right. I really feel that that was a mistake. Mm. And so I don't have this. I got my social security and social security tells me, you know, you get all this stuff, right? You get burial stuff when you're our age. This is how you, the Neptune society reaches out to us, uh, AARP. And, uh, the next is your social security. If you take it at 62, you can get $1,200 a month. I'm like $1,200 a month. What the heck are you talking that's, that's about? Groceries, <laughs> right? I'm like, what? You can't even get eggs now for $1,200. Uh, so I was like, just taken back. And I said, Hey man, I'm going to have to change something here. Uh, and so I am still driving, I'm still driving to make sure the legacy stays where it needs. And I have some kind of a better future for my kids than what I had. Cause it was just me, man. It was just me building this thing. And yeah. And, uh, that's, you know, this was such good. All this stuff today was so good. Uh, you know, you can almost have a whole podcast on explaining the why and the importance of completing tasks. Mm, you really yeah, good. Sure. Yeah. Because okay. I, those two things today, I was like, I know it's important to complete the task. Um, but maybe somebody else doesn't know why that's important. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that was really good. Well, let's talk about what's your latest book that you have that what's your latest book. You said you have five books out. So what's the latest one that you did? So the, the latest one, well, I'm actually, I I'm halfway through writing my next one. And uh, the the title on it is I do, but now what? And so it's it's on relationships, of course. But just so many couples getting married have no plan. They have no clue. You know, ninety percent of couples don't even know what they're going to do with their finances after they get married. They don't know if they're going to have a joint bank account, separate bank accounts, just contribute it. They don't. They have not even talked about that kind of stuff. So I've laid out an entire book where I'm starting to talk about that. And uh, so that's that's my my latest project. Uh, well, actually, I've got two in the in the works. I, I thought this book would be one, but it's actually two books. So it's the I do now what. But then I have another one called The Necessity of Effort. And it's for entrepreneurs and business owners and, and just the necessity of the effort that we need to put into our relationships after we commit to them, after we say, you know, I'm in, you know, whether it's a business deal, a romantic relationship, whatever it is, it's the necessity of effort that needs to follow up. So there's actually two projects. One's going to be out this summer and the next one will be out uh, the end of this year. Uh, so you so you're working on uh, on on books now. That's what you're. So yeah. do you write your, do you, uh, is that what you spend time sometimes doing? Is that kind of allocated in your day? Is it that is how you do it. 
Yeah, I just locked down for three days, and I, I, uh, that, that's why I had that that post there yesterday. Being out in the snow, I busted out of my office just to go for a walk to <laughs> to get out. But I locked myself in Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and and I was just writing and and re going through through things. And uh, so yeah, I'm about fifty percent done. And so so from now until the end of April, I'll book an hour a day to to write and continue on the the manuscript to get it done and completed uh, by the spring. Yeah, uh, you know, writing the book was a uh, something for me. I never, well, first of all, you know, I never thought I would do it being somebody that graduated high school by taking a GED. Yeah. And then I did some college, and I just didn't like college. just wasn't my thing. Uh, isn't that weird, though? But all my kids have college degrees. Yeah. And their dad doesn't, but all my kids do. But I, I told them, I said, hey, listen, I, college is something that you need to, you need to be um, purposeful with. And I said, where, where I lacked in business, where, you know, experience and had to take over and what it is was there's a couple things. I think that having an accounting background, understanding what numbers do mm. is one thing and how to write, right? How to formulate, um, you know, business letters and stuff like that, I think is an important task. So your finances and your writing ability and I think that knowing how to speak, a speech class, I said in, in today's college, that could suck, right? Because, you know, if the topic is like way off what you have to do and you got to do it, it's not it's not helping you at all. Right. But, you know, I told them, I said, those are the main things I think. And, and then if you're going to be a doctor, then, then then great for school. If you if, if you know, my kids, if they want to do trade school, if that's what they wanted to do, then I had no problem with that either. But, you know, I said you have to ha you still have to formulate these things so that whether you're working for somebody or you're an entrepreneur that you have an understanding of how to ask for raises, how the money works That's and, right. and, and a personal finance uh, class, you know, personal finance class, at least understand what is a, what is a CD? What is all this stuff? Cause you know, that's, that's, you know, that's what I told him to be purposeful with. And uh, you know, Mike had a great time. Mike took some of his GED, my oldest boy that does this. And then he has a degree in recreational, um, management which means wow. he went rock climbing and uh you know he was i'm like i said what are you doing this semester he goes oh it's pretty you know it's pretty awesome dad i'm doing rock climbing and we're doing wakeboarding this year and i'm like oh yeah you, you got a yeah you've That's got tough. a rough college degree bro <laughs> so uh but he had a, he had a blast doing his college he took his this the geds he took the ones that i said i think is important and then that's what he did you know yeah. and so you know i thought that you know, I didn't never thought I'd write a book. It was um, now I'm getting feedback on it. You know what I mean? That's the next thing I said. How did it come across? You know, yeah. people that know me are going to read it and say, oh, I've heard these stories of Mr. Cox. It's very reminiscent and they're going to have memories of me and stuff like that. And then right. people that don't really know me too well, I was I wanted to make sure that, hey, does the story resonate with you? And, and you know, that this yeah. this guy that didn't graduate high school really to, to say anything, but can write a book and, and have a, a life full of things out of a martial arts school. Yeah, no, that's so, great. No, I'm, and I'm glad you wrote the book. And, and I, I, I agree with you. I think everybody should, you know, write the book that just the discipline of, you know, structuring our thoughts, like you say, just being able to articulate your thoughts and get them down because our, our stories aren't too far off. I mean, I, I quit school in, in grade nine, grade nine is my last completed year of school. And in grade nine, I had about a grade five reading level. I'm dyslexic. I had a speech impediment when I was younger. I absolutely detested school. Don't even get me started on English classes. But then things shifted around. I, 
I tried to get my high school diploma. I, I got bored with it, never completed it. I thought, well, I'll just go to college. That'd be the next step. So I went to college. I took a college course. Halfway through, I got bored with it. My very first course that I ever completed was a university first year psychology course. And the first book I ever recall reading from cover to cover was a 357 page uh, psychology textbook. And that's what started me on the path of, of learning. There's just something about completing something like that, like a course or a class or mm -hmm. getting your grade 12, writing a book and complete. There's just something about completing that because once that's complete, then we're set to go to that next level because that book for you, that's just going to take you to the, to the next level. I know the next two books that I'm taking out are just going to unfold even more for me, but it's just completing those things and moving on and the great disciplines in it, I think. Yeah, that's I agree with that because that's that's where I'm at now. Plus, I'm pushing people I know personally that need to write a book. Yeah, I'm pushing them now. You know, one's a, one we just had out. He was our keynote speaker at our event, and he's a uh, three a three amputee from he's wow. a he's a combat ranger that uh, was blown up, and the story of his and his speech that he did even was like. Uh. You look back at your life and go, what am I complaining about, man? Yeah, you shut really. up. And, you know, it's and he's just a powerful he's a great speaker and he's got a story to tell. Wow. And he's the one that I think I'm, I'm kind of trying to take under my wing and take him to that next level. Yeah, uh, that's and, great. And wow. so I think that, you know, that's what it is. And as far as as um, where my next thing is, I, I, I want to have a I don't know, is any of your books you wrote kind of like. um you know, here's uh, some steps in a relationship, you know, try A, B, C, D. I mean, that type of uh, a book. Have you done something to that effect? Well, the first book I wrote was your Relationship Rescue Handbook. And in it, I've got 11 F words that that I talk about. And and they're principles that I taught high school students, college age students when I was, was a youth pastor. And it was just what are things that you need to understand? You need to understand what you value in these things before you get into a relationship. Like if you understand what you value around faith and around your finances, around your family, what are your family values? What are your you know, values around your friends, uh, your future values, all these different things. And I go through a list of 11 of them. And the real heart for the book was to help prepare people going into relationships. I, I met with a couple once we were talking about their upcoming wedding. And I was just sharing some of the principles, just asking, well, you know, their financial goals and what their plans are when they get married and so on. We started talking about all these different things. And the bride to be, she started crying. And I leaned forward and I said, what is the matter? She says, I'm 25 years old and nobody's ever told me that I should consider these things in a relationship. And that's when I wrote my first book. And so that's what that book is for, is to help people. You know, we can... I always say that the best time to have the best relationship that ever is before we begin them. The next best time is now because we, we can understand if we know what our values are, when we get into a relationship, we won't lose our identity. When we know what we stand for, we're going to start gathering people in a relationship that, that, that share those same values. But when we get into a relationship with people, just because they're cute or they're nice and they make us feel good, that may not be the basis of a good relationship. So understanding what we value, what we what we feel in our heart, what we truly believe, not just because it's somebody else's, but it's ours. That, to me, is the foundation for a good relationship. And so that's what I taught in this first book 
was start looking at these different things. And there are elements that we can continue to do even as we're going through a relationship. We can continue to have the conversations. All right, honey, where are we with our finances? Are our goals still on track? Are they have they changed? Because things do change over time. Where are you know when we're young, it's just the two of us. When we get married, you know, it's just the two of us. Then we have children. Now we got a family. Then the kids grow, they leave, and then things continue to change. You know, and so my wife and I have just kind of looked at that journey and and we've adjusted and, and done different things as we've gone along so that's the heart of that that first book that's interesting i think i'm gonna i think i'm gonna pick that up today i think i'm gonna go on amazon yeah that's on amazon yeah it's on amazon yep but and and you can also go onto my website and i'd be happy to sign a copy oh yeah see i'd rather do that anyway i, I tell everybody if authors have a website to go there anyway because yeah. uh First of all, you can get an autographed copy and the and the author can can make the money on the book, you know, yes. not not Amazon. So I agree with that 100 yeah. percent. So. And then you got the connection of relationship, which is even better. Yeah, you know, I think. And it's, uh, you know, it's a lot of fun. Cut out. I don't know what happened. I hit a sub button hidden and I was out. And I was like, what the heck did I just do? I, I was going to say, I'm sitting here looking at myself going, what am I doing now? <laughs> my, my thing was, I was moving over here to, uh, to uh, write down your website and then I hit the button wrong. Is it, is it, is it your name or what? What's the website? Yeah, it's, it's my name, but there's a really easy one that people can go to. It's just coach Jim 360.com. And at that website, you can get all my social media connections. You can connect on my website. You can get my personal information to connect with me on WhatsApp, text me, email me, anything. You can get everything right there on that spot. Okay, I'm going to put that on there. There we go. That, yeah, that, that does make it easier. So that's good. Well, that's good, Jim. I, I, this was a really um, this was good for me today, man. I really enjoyed. Um, and we've had quite a bit of people here. Marvin. Coach Marvin was on today at some point. Oh, wonderful. You know, Michael Caro, this and that guy's an awesome guy too. He's a firefighter and a wrestler. Oh, great. Yeah, it's it, that's been good. Yeah, this was this hour went by quick. You know, uh, I tell people quite often, I said my podcast, sometimes I'm I, I selfish in it because I'm always trying to ask questions about what what has affected me, but I I'm pretty much if it's affected me, it's affected a lot more than just me. You're right. You're right. Because I mean we're we all share. You know, we're all in the same boat, especially as guys. I mean, we're all in the same boat where we're sharing the same stuff at, at one level or another. So I, I, I agree. This has just been a great conversation. I've enjoyed this time with you. I, you know, just when I met you the very first time there, just a few weeks back, I just enjoyed getting to know you, you know, that little bit just in our personal interaction together. So I, I was really excited about getting on here today. Yeah, it's good. It's good. I know. I know sometimes my persona is this this freaking gorilla that likes to smash things, but, uh, yeah. Hey, there I used, is, there's I, another side of me. I was, I was the assistant head game warden when I was younger at a safari park. So I I'm used to working with all kinds of gorillas and tigers. <laughs> I can tell you some stories about that. I had a tiger one time I was shipped. I was moving it from one cage to another. It was tranquilized. It started waking up. I'll tell you yeah. that one another time. That'd be good. <laughs> All right. And well, I'm, I, if you do me a favor, just if you can just stick around for a second, once I end live, I want to, I'll, I'll speak to you off camera just for a second, but I wanted to say thanks for, for this hour, man. I, I, I could have sit and done this for, for, for a minute here. So, but uh, I'll end the broadcast. We'll make sure all your stuff is out there. This will also be on audio. So I'll send the audio portion of it too. 
Awesome. It, you'll be on my website, and then you'll also, and that's the, you know, anybody can go to YouTube also to watch what we talked about today, and then there'll be the audio portion of it, and I'll send it to you. That's there'll great. be a uh, there'll be a blank for about three or four seconds there where I hit the button, but uh, <laughs> uh, in audio loss, I'll go back and see if I can edit that part out. So, all right, I appreciate it, Jim. Oh, just ha you. hang tight for just a second. All right. You've been listening to Real Talk with Mark Cox. Real life, real topics, real conversation. We're passionate about motivation, fitness, self-defense, weight loss, and coming at it from a real angle. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. And we hope you had fun. We know we did. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hit us up on Instagram and Facebook at MarkCox100. Make sure to subscribe and review. And tell a friend or two about the show. For more, hit up the website at MarkCox.com. Till next time, keep it real.